Hello, I'm Jen Long. You are listening to Talk the Line. This is the podcast where I talk to a musician about something they are deeply passionate about, their little hidden secret obsession. We upload a new episode every Friday. You can check out all our previous episodes at talktheline.blog from Emily from the Staves talking about adult obsession with fantasy fiction, right through to Glyn Fussell, founder of Sync the Pink, talking about his love of birds. You can follow us on social media at Talk the Line. I think we're on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Jen Long. If you like this podcast, do us a favour and subscribe. It makes us look dead popular. So one day I'll be able to make my riches from this weekly <laughs> from this weekly hobby. Alexis Taylor is the co-founder of the legendary Hot Chip, a band he formed at school with his friend Joe Goddard. Hot Chip have achieved incredible success with Grammy and Mercury nominations, as well as six incredible albums. Alexis has also released two albums with his side project About Group and another three as a solo artist. His fourth, Beautiful Thing, drops this month. It's the first time Alexis has made a solo album with a producer, none other than Tim Goldsworthy, the co-founder of Mo Wax and DFA Recordings and member of Uncle. There is a strong visual element across his career with an immaculate attention to detail. And today we're talking about a designer who Alexis is obsessed with, Finnish-born Volko Nimi, the creator of Marimekko's iconic Yokapoika shirt. We recorded this at the diner in East London. It was quite a rowdy evening, so sorry if we're shouting a little bit at times. It was also when spring was freezing cold, not like the heat wave, which is happening at this moment of recording. Enjoy. Yeah, generally when we do these, the topics are a little bit broader, but I'm really enjoying this one. As I'd never heard, and, and also I, I feel like I'm going to mispronounce her name several times okay. during this podcast. Could you start me off by... Yeah, um, we're talking about a Finnish designer called Volko Nermesniemi. Volko Nermesniemi. Yeah, Volko? Volko. Nermis Niemi. Nermis Niemi. Yeah, I Ooh. mean, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it as the Finns would, but <laughs> doing my best. Um, yeah. And so she kind of rose to fame working for another, not her own company, but for a, another company that's a, yeah. a famous Swedish Finnish. Finnish. My goodness, already I'm already getting confused. So Marimekko is pretty much the most famous Finnish label clothing label and it's one of the biggest Finnish um, kind of exports I suppose Nokia was was bigger went before Nokia became taken over by whoever took it over I Microsoft didn't know Nokia or, or was Finnish yeah Nokia um, so Marimekko began in the 50s um, and it's still going now and it's something that if you ever go to anywhere in Finland you'll see you'll see people wearing it in the street. It's the, the, the designs are very eye-catching and mm. iconic. Um, the famous shirt that is unisex that has been in production since, I think, mid-50s. Mid it's called the Yoka Poika, and that's like a, a stripy shirt that they've just, they've always kept it in production. And the stripes on it are, they look like they're kind of hand-painted, so they're not, yeah. they're not completely straight mm. um, they're like wobbly lines yeah yeah and that's designed by Voko Nermis Naomi when she used to work for them in the mid 50s um, you'll, you'll literally see it you know people walking down the street 
amongst 30 people, you're bound to see two of them wearing one of those shirts. Every, really? Like all the time. And if you go to a, there's a hotel I stayed at once where all of the staff are wearing them. And then if you go to a charity shop, those shirts will be in the charity shops, different versions of them. They're just a big, a big deal in Finland. So Vuoco worked for them. And then when she left, she left that company. She designed lots of other things, mm. lots of other kind of classic clothing from Aramaco but then when she left she set up her own label and she's been running it ever since and she's I think 88 now Um, there's loads I could say about I don't want to just say it all in the first like few seconds in case we've just run out of uh, (laughs) stuff to talk about we won't run out of stuff to talk about definitely not so I don't know if you if you need to ask me questions rather than me just rambling on no ramble ramble away I guess maybe it's interesting to start with how you discovered her and how you discovered Marimekko and where your kind of your love of Finnish design comes from well um, I knew Marimekko clothing because it's it's available in the UK Um, used to be stocked in Scandium which stocks lots of Scandinavian design things. Um, they used to have their own shop in St. Christopher's Place in town. Um, but when I first went to Finland with my wife, probably, I guess it was probably 2004 or something like that, we just travelled to Finland because we liked both the Moomins and Marimekko. Really? Um, so we went to see what it, <laughs> see what it was like there. Um, <laughs> And then ended up going back every year for the last, however long that is, 10 years or so. Um, partly because my wife is into collect- collecting lots of Finnish design homewares and clothing and textiles. And partly because we just really liked Helsinki and we really liked Tampere and the sort of second biggest city there. Um, so we were just traveling there a lot. Um, and I suppose I was vaguely aware of Woko through her connection to Marimekko, but then at some point we found a Woko shop um, and went in there and realised both of us just found the, found the designs really incredible mm. and it was like a, another thing. If you're already into Marimekko, and, and my wife was collecting vintage Marimekko for years as well, um, this is like another sort of, offshoot of that label so it's yeah. another th- and I'm the kind of person who does get quite obsessive about things and has collections of things whether it's musical instruments or particular musical you know artists or types of um, you know different different things I've collected from, from car boot sales like I get into collecting headphones or I get into collecting different figures or whatever it might be but that's kind of in my nature. So with with Vuoco, when I discovered that there was this label still running now, and it was so beautiful to my to my eyes, I just got very into it immediately. And so with with um, with her work at Marimekko, a lot of it was about big bold prints, yeah. right, and overlapping colours when they that's printed right. the fabrics. But then if, uh, from the sort of limited amount that I've seen on the internet, it looks like she got a little little bit wilder when she set up her own company and played around with shape a bit more. Yeah, she the silhouettes of the sh- of the clothing are, are brilliant and very kind of um, you know oversized pieces. Um, the attention to detail with the the printing is really amazing, but also she's quite 
deliberately limiting in terms of um, only only working with a certain number of shapes throughout her whole career, it seems. I mean, she's probably had phases where she's branched out a bit, but it seems like she basically has five or six shapes or maybe 12 shapes or something, and they're always in stock every season, but there are just variants on those in terms of the, the textiles or the, the, the printing, the fabric. Um, I quite like the fact that she can make a whole career that's lasted since the early 60s to now um, without having to kind of follow trends or decide, well, now I'm going to do something in denim or, you know, now I'm going to, you know, she's just yeah. doing her own thing. I suppose that's a testament to good design is something that yeah. can last that span of time without having to change with, with the trends and with the fashions. But Yeah. Um, sorry. She's also impressive to me because... She's not really on the internet. It's not stocked in many other places other than in her one Helsinki shop. She used to have three stores in Finland, so there would be one in three different cities. And I think in maybe the 70s or the 80s, you could buy it in Sweden. At some point, you could buy it in Japan. But when I discovered her, you know, I'm the kind of person who wants to know like, where can I find more of this or where can I see what the next collection is going to be and you realize very quickly from speaking to the staff that Vuoco just doesn't operate in that way so you can't find much about it online there's no website it's not stocked anywhere else there's not an Instagram account there's not a Facebook there's no you website have, no there's literally no website <laughs> the, the nearest you get to that is a business card in the shop with an email address that you can write to and you can't you, si you can't sign up to like see the lookbook they right, will just yeah. if they if they feel like it they'll tell you that something's coming but they don't really self-advertise and market what they're doing and that seems quite quite unusual in this day and age yeah. and yet it's actually working people are aware of it and i think it's quite a finnish thing too i think Finns are quite um proud of their culture and they may be quite private um, so I don't think it's unusual perhaps to not be selling yourself to everybody or shoving your ideas down people's throats I think they're quietly proud of what they do and maybe expect people to come towards that eventually and that's quite refreshing I think yeah that sounds like almost like a marketing technique in itself to be yeah. so off the beaten track yeah. that people have to go and find you at a kind of intrigue to do so and I, I obviously admit that at some point they were bigger they were more well known um, have you ever emailed them? I've emailed and you do get a response sometimes, but that's not to sound critical of their replying system. It's more that you, I, I quickly realised that they're just, I guess they're just not pushing themselves to, to be more well-known. Maybe, maybe it's practical, maybe they don't have the funding to do that. Um, but I find it just really, really nice that it's quite revered in Finland, um, but you, you wouldn't necessarily know about it elsewhere. Um, she's she's seen as uh, a bit of a kind of influence on Issey Miyake. He's a big fan, and he's talked about her being a kind of god, you know, like a godparent to, to his design. Mm, his I'm not familiar with him. Sorry, like a, a Japanese um, designer who's mm way more well-known than, than Vuoco. Um, so she's obviously had an influence 
on people. Um, but yeah, just just not kind of not operating in the way that lots of modern companies do. And maybe that's partly because she's been going since she was young, working in Marimekko, which also probably doesn't operate quite like other Western companies do. But it's that is more of a you know international yeah. company with with marketing and an online presence and Instagram and you know. If, if I, if I, if they, they th- I think they stock them in John Lewis actually. Probably do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw. I was reading that. Um, they got a bit of a. They, they kind of had. It, it didn't go very well for them in maybe like the late eighties. That's right. Kind of, yeah. And then they had the, the company was bought by someone else, and then their breakthrough was when Carrie Bradshaw bought their bikini on Sex and the City season two. <laughs> that may be. That may be true. Yeah. Um, Apparently, she wore a Marimekko bikini, and then later in the season, a dress. Right. And then they introduced their like homeware via se- season five. I think she had like a tablecloth or something. That's from Wikipedia, though. So I think that <laughs> I think that it was quite big in America in the 60s and 70s, Marimekko, and it was it was stocked in um, department stores there, and um, it's got quite a kind of rich history of being a well-known, yeah, classic company before it had this sort of late 80s period where it was struggling. Mm. Um, I guess that's still pretty impressive if you been going from the 50s especially coming from a country like finland yeah. i guess where it doesn't feel like it's as on the kind of beaten track as maybe yeah. like you know your fashion weeks you get no. london you get milan you get paris yeah. you get new york but i've never heard anyone talk about like finland fashion week yeah that's true or helsinki fashion week is there one that probably is i don't know i mean there must be i i don't know if there is a fashion week but is fashion is still a, a big deal there yeah. Whether or not it reaches out internationally as, as much as some other Scandinavian places might do. Um, the clothes, the Marimekko clothes from that, that 60s era, they do sort of embody that idea of the swinging 60s. Like yeah. when you think of that scene in Austin Powers where like everyone's walking down Carnaby Street. To me, yeah. that those clothes look like they could have been on those those dancers in that scene. Yeah, some of the, some of the women's clothing definitely fits with that aesthetic but then they're also quite um quite a lot of the designs are a bit more boxy in shape and less sort of classically feminine and sometimes oversized and um also quite unisex as well so they've done lots of different things that mean they're not that they are known for for what you're describing but they they're also kind of um bit more sculptural in shape and maybe quite quite refreshing to see a, a label that designs predominantly for women but isn't in that kind of classic kind of um, slim sort of shape that, that we're kind of used yeah. to being sold, a label sold to women that was set up by a woman as well yeah in the what 1950s um, maybe even late 40s I'm not sure exactly when Marimekko that, began. that sounds Early quite 50s. you know progressive doesn't yeah. it yeah to have this like company that sort of owning fashion in an entire country and it was set up by a woman in the 50s and yeah and then her two biggest designers are also female yeah uh, yeah i think as far as i know there are more more female designers there than, than otherwise i don't know right now if that's still the case but it seems to be um and they they also worked with um a japanese designer for a long time and that was quite interesting to see um I think it's called Fujiwo Ishimoto. 
and he he was a big fan of what they were doing and, and wanted to work for them and there's quite a strong link I feel when I go to Finland between Japan and Finland I've, I've always felt in both of those countries the places I've visited have had this kind of unique identity where the people who the people who are from those places are quite um, culturally different from people from elsewhere but mm. proud of their own cultures and quite independent from other parts of the world and it's not that Finland and Japan themselves are similar but they're similar in their uh, the way that they're kind of slightly cut off from other cultures and, and quite kind of yeah. proud, of, proud of that and then, then when you see that there's a, a Japanese designer working for the Finnish brand and not working for a Japanese brand that's quite interesting in its own right I think yeah, I suppose I've always felt that way between Wales and Canada. Yeah. Where it's always felt like being in Wales, people just thought of you as the bit that was like stuck on the side of England. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of Canadians felt the same way where it was like, oh, it's just sort of American. You're American though. And it's like, no, no, Canadian. You're like, yeah. no, no, not English, Welsh. I don't know, maybe that's a similar Yeah, very, thing. very similar. I suppose if you are in that, in that kind of potentially... Um, separate or peripheral sort of location then you you might need to feel strongly about your own identity rather than being sort of sidelined by, yeah. by bigger I guess develop countries. your own if you if you've not got as much trade coming in or coming through yeah. or perhaps you know you're like culturally there's not as much access to other areas I don't I don't know maybe it is just something about being slightly isolated because Finland is quite it's quite removed from the rest of the Sweden, Norway, Denmark area. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't been there at all. Yeah. But I always hear stories about you have to take like a, all these ferries and like, it's crazy cold. And <laughs> uh, You can fly there easily from, from the UK um, <laughs> and it's not that far from, from other parts of Scandinavia. But, but there are parts of it that are remote and mm. that, yeah, that, that require bit more effort transport wise that is a cross through that theory <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th I think that the reason that I was asked to sort of think about you know a subject for, for this podcast is to do with obsession is, is that right or mm. something that you're kind of yeah. and something I wanted, that you're passionate about I wanted to sort of explain that um my wife and I became so interested in in, Vo in Voico's design and and sort of visiting that that shop and bu and buying things secondhand and looking for them in, when we were in Finland. That at one point we went into her store and she herself was actually working in there, which was quite a kind of amazing thing because she probably would have been maybe 83 or something at the time, and we were quite starstruck to see her. She's an amazing sort of looking. Um, woman and she's very stylish looking. Very stylish, um, yeah. And, I saw and some photos and thought she's cool. Like yeah, she's got really good glasses, really yeah, nice like hair. She doesn't look like she's in her like late eighties no, no. at all. And she's kind of kept that glasses shape for years as well. Um, and we were just taken aback that she was actually manning the shop. Um, and we were asking, you know, how come you're you're in here today? She's like, oh well, the the lady who usually runs it. She was just working too hard and she needed a bit, I needed to give her a bit of time off. So I thought that was really amazing. And we, we chatted to her and it was quite kind of a nice moment. And then a few years later, 
because we we've seen articles about where she lives in in Helsinki in Apartamento magazine did a good feature on her home which was designed by her late husband Antti Niemisnemi who was another famous Finnish designer and I believe he actually designed and you know it's sort of you know his own architecture design for for that home that that they lived in and that she now lives in on her own and I I would read every now and again try and find more articles about about that home because it just seemed like a really interesting building yeah and at some point I just I just googled Voko Nermisnemi house and it just came up on Google Maps and then we went on this strange sort of pilgrimage to you went around her house and go into her house but we just thought did you oh. knock no we, we just went to the <laughs> you just lurk outside in the just, woods in the bushes well <laughs> that's what I realised was pretty strange so we, we got the idea in our head that we could go and have a look from outside yeah and we took the train and it's not really that it's not really that remote it's kind of easy to get to mm. I couldn't really believe that Google Maps just told me where it was yeah. So we set off there, and then when we started walking nearby, we got excited. Oh, it, that that looks like it. It looks like from the photographs. And then we just were like, "Well, what are we doing? What do you do next? <laughs> like, we're not going to go and knock at the door. She's like a lady in her mid eighties who <laughs> deserves her privacy and doesn't want some strangers knocking at the door. So we just got that near, and then just sort of lurked around for a bit, and then thought, "This is too bizarre. We have to go away." Um, and it reminded me of some friends of mine who told me a story about they they broke into Morrissey's um, house, not into the house itself, but like into the kind of grounds in LA. And then once they got in, they were like, "What the what the hell are we doing? Like, what do we do next? We've we've got this far, but we didn't think about the next stage of our of our mission." And they were obviously quite excited that they'd managed to get in, but then they were like, "Well, we're not actually going to go and." <laughs> Like knock at the door so they just kind of ran away we didn't go that far and i hope we don't sound too creepy we were trying to look at this beautiful architecture well, it, of the building but I it was it was odd to just realize the obsession led us that far and then we just <laughs> decided to turn around and go away again i did see some pictures of it online and it did look pretty special so it's like a four-story almost like a warehouse kind of thing yeah that's that's all open so that the yeah, only only open. walls are like i mean i'm presuming bathroom it didn't mention that but i'm presuming there's yeah. walls around the bathroom and the bedroom they're the only kind of cut off parts and then there's a swimming pool level somewhere apparently right. yeah maybe, maybe i haven't seen any photos of that no and then yeah it's all kind of open plan uh, wooden floors big glass window I mean, it just looks gorgeous doesn't it, it looks yeah and very very unique and filled with hers and her husband's designs as well so her fabrics but his you know furniture it's just yeah. quite nice to see a, a home that is um, if you work in those fields it, it makes sense that you would fill it with your own items yeah, but it just looks looks, looks really so beautiful so many cushions <laughs> so yeah. many piles of cushions and apparently underfloor heating as well yeah oh yeah. what a dream your new video has like um is th was that your house in the new video with the eyes no that is my friend mark porson's flat it's a very nice flat yeah i yeah. i um suggested that location because it i knew it would well the director wanted a flat rather than a house and i knew that mark's flat mark porson is a a british artist who makes his own books 
prints everything himself, makes his own badges, um, and kind of teaches people how to do that as well. Um, and he's he's a collector, so his whole flat is full of different things he's collected for his whole life, from right. Kinder Egg toys and the Kinder Egg cases, the little kind of eggshells, through to open and close signs, through to um, Japanese toys to you know different different things he's he's obsessed with so i kind of thought that that not that you can see much of that in the video but just the color schemes and the way he's yeah, laid it out it looks looks I nice i don't know for, for a second i thought it might have been yours because it does look like it's been really nicely designed and it does yeah i do like all those colors i did kind of pause the video just to have a little <laughs> little nose around his flat if i'm being honest yeah well it's a great it's a great sort of archive of everything he's interested in and really it's really well organized as well he knows where everything is and you know can pull out a, a book that he's made to just you know if you mention something that he's he's made he knows where everything is and he's always working on something new and screen printing things and making new posters and sort of self-generating work basically how do you think your obsession with volco has kind of influenced your home your house do you kind of take any of that, th those influences from her patterns and designs and well, in you know, a very staring at her house on the internet? <laughs> in a very literal sense, the house is full of Voco. I've got a collection of her jumpsuits, so I started buying them to wear on stage with Hot Chip and About Group, and I've, I often wear them. So I've got quite a lot of the jumpsuits, and they, they, they're just block colours or they're like two colours and they're really bold designs, really simple. So some of those are kind of hanging throughout the house. And then my wife has got lots of her dresses as well. And then we've got lots of Marameco fabric throughout the house. Um, not, not specifically loads of Vuoco things. I mean, I have like a couple of Vuoco mugs and some books and things. Yeah. But Though that's the kind of literal sort of straightforward way in which there's an influence in that we've got loads of it everywhere and the <laughs> colour the colours are quite striking. Beyond that, we've got this nice um Finnish designed sofa by Artec. Artec is another big Finnish brand. Um that's the kind of thing you'd probably see in a lot of Finnish homes. I should point out we neither of us are Finnish. <laughs> Um, we just like lots of things from there. Why so, not? Um, but yeah, the, the, I guess the colour schemes are probably influenced by that kind of design generally. And in the kitchen, my wife has a big collection of cooking pots and coffee pots and different things, some of which are Vuoco and some of which are other Finnish brands. Um, and they, they do really stand out as quite a collection, but they're also used, you know, they're not just there only for decoration. Um, do you know much about her personal life? Do you know much about her outside of her career? She no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I imagine that she must be um, having to work pretty hard to, to run that company. There's a, there's a factory, but it's a small factory in, in Helsinki. It must be quite hands-on for her still. I don't think she's got a huge number of staff, so I'm not sure what she would have time to be doing outside of that. But, of course, she must have some leisure time. Yeah. Um, but I, 
there aren't that many interviews in in English with her, so I haven't got that much to go on. The Apartamento article was frustratingly short for my liking. You know, kind of wanted to find out more. Um, yeah, it's just people who are always uh, people who are you know that high achieving and that focused and that kind of like I I watched a couple of interviews with her and she's so like thoughtful in her tone of speech and the things that she says are quite striking and poignant and you just feel like she must have some other like mad hobbies yeah I would have thought she so. must you know yeah. those pe- people who are like that talented in one area can generally just do anything yeah she's probably like an amazing horse rider or something <laughs> like that um She's been like, it's like this. We're not just talking about. She's not just like some lady that's got one shop in Finland. She's been like exhibited in like MoMA, right? There's like uh, some of her works are for show in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Yeah, and that, and also in the kind of permanent collection at the Design Museum in Finland, they they've got three or four works of hers. And if there's ever a Marimekko exhibition, it will always feature some of her work. But the way in which I think she's reached a lot of people, I suppose, is just the fact that it is still being is still being worn, it's still being made. Her own stuff is still being made, but the older designs she made for Marimekko will get reproduced and and changed over the years in different collections. But also, you'll find it is quite collectible secondhand within Finland. If there's ever any Vuoco in a secondhand shop, it's always quite pricey. People know what it is. Right, and yeah. I get the impression that younger people are discovering it too um, because it is quite timeless. Mm. Um, so that that must be nice for her to see that it's still got relevance now and currency now. Um, I also think she reminds me a little bit of Dieter Rams who designed for, for Braun, the German design company, um, his kind of policy of which is completely borrowed by Apple Macintosh um, you know of having the least intrusive design and the design serving the function you know that's kind of implicit in in Vuoco's designs as well so that there aren't there aren't unnecessary details there aren't unnecessary kind of extra layers or extra sort of pieces to them they're very very simple and um I feel like the fact that she's stuck with that for so long makes her stand out compared to lots of other very busy, overly designed works. I read some accusations that her outfits and her designs are like not that sexy because they're quite quite kind of almost unflattering in that they're so straight cut and everything's quite like yeah. no frills. Yeah, I think that could be that could be how people perceive it. I I like that myself that it's that it's quite bold in in that decision to be not so sort of shapely I suppose yeah. um, and if you if you stick your neck out and do something like that then it's not really in or out of fashion is it I suppose it's kind of yeah. it's not really thinking about trends it's just it can be worn by anyone so um, maybe there's maybe there's part of the reason for it there I also read that she's like a bit of a maverick or, or was in the sort of 50s when she was 
first designing in that she would do things to like the machines that printed like stick chewing gum in them so that they could do bigger prints and like right, block okay. up holes and like fiddle about with the way that things like not basically not do what she was told yeah like she was told just copy this design and she was quite rebellious and she was like no I'm going to stick these two colours on this one piece of cloth I'm going to shove my gum up in this printing machine and I'm going to make something completely different that you've never seen before yeah I think she did do that and that led to this kind of the way that the colours bleed into each other in mm. the in the Marimekko Yokopoikas. So, um, you've kind of, I, I, if I understand it correctly, you've got three colours because there are two things that are placed sort of on top of each other. So that where they, where they cross over creates a third colour as as the two inks kind of yeah. overlap, and that's quite inventive in a very simple way. But she she still had to kind of come up with that idea. Is that why the lines are wobbly? Or are they designed to be wobbly and then the colours... I'm not sure <laughs> how she achieved that, but it l certainly looks like hand-painted. Yeah. And it it's may have been initially. I don't know. It's like when, I was, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's just a stripy shirt. And then you, you look a little bit closer, you're like, oh, that's actually really clever. It's like something's just a little bit off-kilter, not quite right. Yeah. And it takes you a minute. You have to actually... Yeah, you have to adjust to it Adjust, yeah. Yeah. I've... From reading about Marimekko's history, um, I think that they did stick with a lot of their classic designs for a very long time, and not they weren't that sure about other other designs coming in. So there's another. I'm not sure who di who designed it for them, but there's another design which is rather than a vertical striped shirt, which is the the Vuoco designed Yokopoika, as it's called. Um, there were these long sleeve t-shirts and short sleeve t-shirts which are again still in production now that um, Comme de Garçon sometimes do collaborations where they do versions of those with Marimekko oh, right. so they're kind of long lasting designs but when they first were created I think that the owner of Marimekko found them a little bit too sort of simple and was worried that there wasn't enough going on or maybe that they were just too traditional looking or there wasn't enough invention and she had to be persuaded to go with them and that, they're another thing that has lasted and is still in production. Pl plain t-shirts? They'll be like a yeah, horizontal stripe but, but in different in different colours schemes. With well, a whole t-shirt striped? Yeah. Right, yeah. Jeremy Della always is photographed wearing one of them. I feel He's like I don't know who anyone you're talking about okay. is. At this <laughs> Jeremy Della's one of the really famous kind of um, young Brit British artists who's he's older now but mm. he's quite a kind of important figure in modern British art but I just notice he's always wearing those those um, Marimekko t-shirts I guess there's quite always quite a crossover between fashion and art yeah and then I think at one point didn't she I think she said something in an interview that I was watching about how it can become science you get a design so right that you're actually pushing society forward, you're progressing, and in that sense she saw design, or still probably sees design as a science, yeah. when it's like so particular. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about it that way. I wonder what she means, what, what makes it. I guess there's a, an experimental approach in designing and maybe seeing if you can work out a way to create something. Yeah. Um, a printing technique or just see if something 
you know the, the science of seeing if something actually works yeah. is functional or worn by people I don't know if that's what she means but Formu- creating a formula for yeah. something that's going to be absolutely timeless yeah yeah, it's quite impressive. Although she did have, she has one dress that's I think st- still worn today that's got lots of little pockets on it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's and that's one, quite a. Um, that's another of her. I don't know the name of that that dress, but that is another really big mm. design in particularly in Finland. Um, my my daughter has one of those. Um, my wife has one. Lots of people in Finland, you'd see their kids wearing mm. it and adults wearing it. That in itself, I suppose, is quite unusual. That the the iconic dress would be worn by different generations. Yeah, and I, d- I can't think of many other equivalents of that really. No, because usually when you get hand me downs when you're a kid from like your cousins, they're always just like really random and weird things from CNA. Yeah, <laughs> they're not like cool fashion items that people do podcasts well, about. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> probably some Finns find it not the coolest label. You know, it's so mm. omnipresent that maybe it's a bit like Marks and Spencer or something and it's not it's not seen as oh, designer and yet like when it's Americans sort of wear Clark shoes. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh my god, Clark's is so cool." And you're like, I like argued with my mum so many times about wearing these at school. I wear I wear Clark's a lot myself. <laughs> so I'm I'm with the Americans if that's Jamaicans are really into Clark's. I mean, it's fine now. It's fine now that I'm not a 14-year-old girl that wants wanted a pair of kickers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I I completely. No, took I remember that. Here. I remember at school, the the kids' Clark's range was seen as a bit naff. Yeah. And kickers were what everyone wanted to wear when I was at school, but now, I mean, we're just like a few meters away from Goodhood shop, which is stocking constantly stocking Clark's, and they're like, you know, design classics now for for adults. Wow. There you go. It's funny how things change <laughs> or there's, maybe there's we just a, change there's a musician friend of mine who I was at school with called Emma Smith who's played on loads of hot chip records and loads of my own records and sh- her mum is Finnish and she was she was somebody who grew up not wanting to wear Marimekko because it was what your parents choose for you and she was surprised that Kerry my wife was so into it so it just really depends where you're where you're coming from and maybe part of our interest is to do with not having grown up with that and looking at it from outside you know oh yeah definitely if something's foreign to you it's exciting it's new it's like oh what's this whole world i haven't discovered yeah have you like discussed your obsession with many fins do you kind of we go on holiday to the same hotel every year and they're like oh look look who's back (laughs) well i i've played at flow festival a couple of times in helsinki and i've got to know some people over there and I also have Finnish friends who are based in London one of them totally gets why we like going there because she's equally obsessed with Marimekko and and is very proud of her Finnish heritage other people are a bit more like why why do you come to Finland like what what is it that you like about it most of us want to get away from Finland but you know there's lots about Finland more than just the clothing you know the the uh, architecture is quite striking, and and um, the feel of the feel of Helsinki is really really nice. And you know, the idea of sauna being part of your daily routine oh. seems to make sense to a lot of people. And um, the the light is quite amazing in, in parts, you know, in, in Finland. 
Is I it? think if you're there all of your life, maybe I don't want to sort of speak out of turn, but I I hear people say that you know the long winter months in in darkness are quite grueling, and you know we're we're not there all year round. So um, no, I mean it's been tough enough here this winter, hasn't yeah. it? This winter slash spring, which yeah. is actually winter. And if, this is nothing compared to, to being there. So like, do you usually go in the summer? We've been there in winter and in summer, but um, we've been all times of the year, really. Summer is good because it's warmer and there are outdoor flea markets that you can go to you know, every day. And that's good if you like collecting secondhand finished stuff. Really? Oh, my God. You must have to get like extra baggage allowance on the way home. Uh, we have been known to do that, yeah. <laughs> What's the best thing that you've ever found in a Finnish flea market? Um, well, we found an interesting mother and daughter couple who were selling just a crazy amount of vintage Marimekko and Voiko. You know, they, they, they've almost got like a museum, museum's worth of, of archive. So... Um, it was quite nice talking to them, and they were really interested in our in our passion for for the for the Voco and Marimekko designed stuff. And um, there's also yeah, just I can't think what would be the best thing, but I mean, I've actually started to slow down now in in bringing stuff back. I like just I like just looking rather than I don't really need to to ha- actually like. Amass yeah. more. Yeah. My wife maybe still feels <laughs> like she does. Um, when you go to her shop now, how I kind of feel like I want a visual on Volko's Helsinki shop. Is it sort of? Is it? Is it big? Is it quite boutique? It's a small shop. It used to be on the main kind of designer clothing sh- strip in in Helsinki, the Esplanade. So it was there for years. Very recently, it moved to a slightly, presumably less expensive street to rent. But it used to be on the same street that there were like two Marimekko flagship stores, and um, Nokia was like just behind it. And you know, um, so the shop now—it's not a big shop. It's probably um, enough space for maybe, if it was busy, I don't know, fifteen customers oh okay it's quite small it's pretty small but it it looks very striking because of just the the range of colors that are hanging there in in the in the window and and in the shop and it's only staffed by one one um, member of staff so it's easy to kind of get into conversation with people working there or like find out about what what they've been up to or what's coming out next but they tend to they tend to sort of also keep you a little bit, if you are into it, and, and maybe as obsessive as we are, you can sort of see the stuff at the back that isn't on display, and you're slightly teased by the fact that they've got these, maybe they've got the winter collection, but they won't sell it to you until <laughs> winter time, but you know it's just there. And so is it all clothes, or do they sell like homeware bits in there as well? Or? She's, she stocks the, um, there's a kind of classic, uh, coffee pot that her husband Auntie Nermi's Nami designed and that is something again that you see everywhere in charity shops or, and, and very expensively priced or at the flea markets and in everybody's homes that's like a design classic so she has 
So you'll have one of those in one colour always in the shop available. Um, other than that, it is only clothing. I don't think she sells any textiles or, or sheets of fabric or curtains, whereas Marameco does. Kind of a limited amount of stock, but then the the actual prints will change from season to season. And maybe maybe one season you'll see a jacket with a sort of three-colour, very um, sort of brightly brightly printed sort of um, a little bit like kind of Neapolitan ice cream sort of colour scheme jacket and then the, ne- the next season one of the jumpsuits will be in that in that design right. so they all kind of swap around but the, the jumpsuits as kind of a staple like there's yeah. always t-shirts shirts jumpsuits she has there's always trousers which are for women um, these dresses that are kind of like I don't know how to describe them, almost ball-shaped, like large dresses. Um, <laughs> that, sound, that does sound really sexy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> jumpsuits, hooded, hooded jackets, um, lighter sort of cotton jackets, and then sometimes like warmer winter versions of the same shapes. So... There'll be like a often there'll be a top half and a bottom half that goes together. So you you might want both of those items because it kind of looks like a uniform or a suit, and they really complement each other well. Um, they happen to be pretty expensive, so oh, you, can't necess- say, you can't necessarily. What's the price tag on all these items like? It's, it's a lot, like right. Um, so it's like couture kind of stuff. Is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> you might be spending. Six hundred euros or more on a jacket, oh. or you might be spending like more than that, maybe on a jumpsuit. So you can't. It's not something that you can just go in and buy a bit of everything. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's, it's not H and M. No. Um, <laughs> but luckily, some of it comes up secondhand as well. Yeah. Still very collectible, but just about affordable that way. You no, know, the first thing I do when I get home is put <laughs> this in eBay. <laughs> yeah. Not, there's, not, there's not loads of it on eBay. It's still kind of not not that big a deal outside of maybe Japan and Finland, I think. Right. Um, and is there like a, a rivalry between her and Marimekko? Well, I sometimes wonder about that myself because she's been separate from them for so long and yet her own designs are still in stock in Marimekko and still talked about on the Marimekko website so there's obviously a support for what she's doing and they're proud of of her work but she must have been competing with them to some extent when she launched her own independent range in the 60s and they were still going there's definite definite crossover in terms of customer interest in both labels but maybe they're not maybe they're not rivalrous because Voco's slightly more niche Um, Or maybe she's just, I don't know. I don't know her personally, but she seems pretty easygoing. Because I guess if you had your, like, famous lead designer who just developed you this shirt that was going to run for generations to come and was bringing you in so much notoriety and cash, and then she was like, see ya, going to go set up my own company, I feel like I would be a little bit gutted. Yeah, but I reckon she probably left on pretty good terms and it was probably 
I mean, I may be painting a more kind of rosy picture of it, but I never get any sense that that was like a big, like a breakup, but more she'd sort of worked there for 10 years and they were probably quite proud of what she was doing. I think she was probably quite young when she when she left to set up her own thing as well. Um, and they obviously had other designers and some of whom have stayed with them for their entire careers. So they're yeah, not, yeah. I w- I'm not sure they'd be too stressed by that. It's kind of mad that no one's written a biography or made some kind of TV show or movie about her. Like, she sounds like she's quite an iconic Finn. Yeah, I guess, I mean, uh, as far as I know, there isn't, there isn't anything like that about Marimekko either. I mean, there are books, but not a kind of, there's no film or anything. So she's definitely smaller in, in scale than, than that. So maybe it wouldn't really be likely to, ha- to happen. Um, but I should point out that, you know, I am the kind of person who is drawn to quite niche things or quite cult things. And what I become obsessed about isn't, isn't necessarily a big, a big thing, you know, and I have to realize that sometimes. I'm a big fan of Alex Chilton, who used to be in Big Star and the Box Tops. And of all of the things he's done, Big Star is the one that's the most well-known. And that's still just a cult band, you know. Yeah. Um, And I often make judgments about what I'm doing based on things that I am inspired by have done. And then I realize, well, those people are pretty weird in their (laughs) decision-making. And so maybe maybe it makes sense that people are confused by what I'm doing because I, some of my role models are not exactly mainstream or money making or kind of you know doing things in the most obvious way and they can be quite perverse and contrary right. so I, I, I sometimes have to remind myself of that like you're almost setting yourself up to go into a niche yeah but not deliberately I'm just drawn towards yeah. those kind of minds does it not feel a bit frustrating to have like passions that are so niche because sometimes the like most exciting thing the like kind of most rewarding thing about being passionate about something is meeting other people who are similarly passionate or being able to exercise that passion with a group of friends or with a group of people that you've met through it well that's definitely true um but i think that it's also sometimes nice to know about something that you're into but maybe isn't shared with everybody and maybe there's just a small number of people that take an interest in it but with the to come back to Woko for a moment I mean if I wear that stuff on stage it's really eye-catching and people ask what it is and so it does make a an impact or reach reach a wider audience in a sense and and if my wife wears it just you know to go out it's very eye-catching and people always ask and always comment on it so it is quite kind of open to people getting into it but it's just not it's not something that is stocked in the UK it's not easy to to find it online it doesn't have that kind of push so it means it only ever goes that only ever goes so far in terms of people knowing about it so I guess the reward comes because you put the work in in advance and now you get to kind of tell other people about it and turn them onto it yeah I guess so yeah that's cool A big thanks to Alexis. You can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog covering subjects from mental health to German literature to condiments. Next week, we hit our big 5050 episodes. And to celebrate, I'm talking to Andrew WK about partying. You've been listening to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long. This is a podcast from the line of Best Fit, produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. Please follow us on social media, subscribe to this podcast and 
I say it always, if you're feeling super generous, please write us a nice review. See you next week for the big 5-0.